The word of God is proclaimed from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20 today. This is the word of the Lord. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase in the Lord your God, will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land. You are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our second reading is from Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 25. And before I read from Galatians 5, I just want to bring to your attention that Galatians 5 is about freedom. So on this Independence Day, as we celebrate our political freedom, the freedom of our nation, just note that Galatians 5 verse 1 begins with these words, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And of course, he's talking about a, a different type of freedom than political freedom. And then he says in Galatians 5 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So Christ has set us free, we're called to be free. And so what we're going to see this morning is what freedom looks like, tastes like, and acts like. So that's the context. So now let's read Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not, just get this, you, you who are sitting here, you who are listening online, you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. You know what they are. Sexual immorality. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and 
self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those belong to Je- who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's the word of the Lord. It was the first morning in our home with our newborn daughter, Violet. And even though I didn't sleep much the night before, as as many of you can imagine, I woke up full of adrenaline. I wanted to do something. I had to do something. And so I quietly went out into the kitchen as to not wake up mom and baby. And I pulled all the fruit out of the refrigerator. And I started to chop the fruit. Chop, 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 chop. Out comes my father-in-law. What are you doing? Chop, 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 chop. Out comes my mother-in-law. What's going on? I thought the house was falling down. Chop, 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 chop. Out comes my daughter and my crying newborn baby. She didn't have to say anything. I stopped chopping all the fruit. Ironically, almost four years later, today, like most days, I began my day rinsing and chopping fruit. My kids love fruit. The Penza household is putting the farmers of Fairfield County out of business. We constantly eat fruit. And I don't know about you, we like fruit and we love fresh fruit. The reason I say that is because this summer we are going to be talking about fruit. And it's not the type of fruit that you rinse and chop. It's not the type of fruit that grows on bushes or trees or the fruit that you find at the grocery store. The fruit we're going to talk about this summer is the fruit of the Spirit. And unlike physical fruit that grows on trees, this spiritual fruit is meant to grow in you and on you. That sounds strange, right? I, I think what Paul is saying in his letter to the Galatians, to the church, to the Christians, is that you're meant not to be a cactus, gnarly and spiky, but meant to be a fruit tree. I know it sounds strange, but whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in the Spirit or not, whether you even like to eat fruit or not, I guarantee that this fruit, this type of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is the type of fruit that you want. It's the type of fruit you want for yourself, the type of fruit that you want for your children. It's the type of fruit that you want for the people in your world. It's the type of fruit that changes you. The type of fruit that changes your relationships and the type of fruit that changes your life. And most importantly, it's the type of fruit that God desires to produce in you. So what is this fruit of the Spirit? I'll read it again from Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, and it's a singular fruit. The the Greek word is singular. We say fruit in English, and it can be singular or plural. It's a singular fruit 
with, with many flavors, elements, or aspects, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I missed one, and kindness. And this summer, as I go on parental leave, Pastor Liz is going to break down each individual aspect of this fruit of the Spirit. But today, I want to give you a big picture overview of the origin of the fruit of the Spirit, what threatens its growth, and how to cultivate within yourself this spiritual fruit. So let's start with number one. What is the origin of the fruit of the Spirit? Paul just says fruit of the Spirit. Is he referring to the human spirit, right? We live in a day where we celebrate our humanness or our humanity. And, and, and many believe that all good things come within the human spirit. When Paul is referring to spirit, in this passage, yes, we as humans have spirits. He's not referring to the human spirit or the spiritual side of humanity. He is saying that the origin of the fruit of the spirit is the Holy Spirit and not the human spirit. When Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the other aspects of the fruit, He is referring to a quality of life that is available in extraordinary abundance through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in you. Being created in the image of God, all people are born with some of these qualities and characteristics that make up the elements of the Holy Spirit. So so what we're saying is that in order to have love and peace and patience, you don't necessarily need to have the Holy Spirit because you were created in the image of God. But the difference is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for the Christian, the fruit of the Spirit is available in extraordinary abundance to you through the Holy Spirit. This quality of life, this kind of life, this life-giving character finds its origin in the Holy Spirit. When you look back through the history of the Presbyterian church, we often tend to lean into the glory of God the Father, the mercy and the grace of the Son, Jesus Christ. And then the time that we have left over will dig into the Holy Spirit. And typically it's on Pentecost Sunday, right? The Sunday, the day we talk about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we leave out the Holy Spirit and that's a mistake because the Holy Spirit is God. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. Well, this is what Jesus said. In John 4.24, Jesus said, God is Spirit. 
And I could keep you here until maybe 6 p.m. talking about the beauty and the mystery of the Trinity, but we, we must move on. In, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, we, we, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And, and we see the, the presence and the power of the Word of God, the Father, to create all things seen and unseen. But do you know in that same chapter in Genesis 1, God, the Holy Spirit, is present in hovering over the darkness and the chaos of creation. When you read the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit descends upon people to speak for God, to lead others to God, to live holy lives pleasing to God, to perform miracles and to win battles. And then in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus during his baptism. The heavens are torn open and the, the Spirit alights Christ and dwells within Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within Christ that empowers Christ to speak for God, to lead others to God, to live a holy life, to perform miracles and to win the battle over evil, sin, and death on the cross. And, and here's a promise that Christ made to his church, to us, before he went to that cross. In John 14, Jesus promises the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to his followers, to us. He says, the Spirit lives with you and will be in you. In John 16, 7, this is astounding. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away so that I will send the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Jesus is saying to his followers, it is better to have, it's to your advantage, to have the Holy Spirit within you over and against having a physical Jesus with you. Here's how I'll, I'll explain kind of the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I bought a kite for my daughter and as I was putting it together, I realized that this kite was just a bunch of flimsy, cheap plastic. I'd rather not say what I spent on the kite. And what I realized about the kite is that a kite is not like a helicopter or a plane. It has no power of its own to fly. A kite has no life on its own. It has no power on its own. However, the minute that I lifted up this flimsy kite and began to run with the kite and the wind caught the kite, the kite that was flimsy and had no capacity or power to fly on its own was caught in the wind and began to fly. And if you've ever held a kite in a strong wind, you understand that the kite can pull you a little bit, but it's only in the wind that the kite is filled with the power and the invigoration and life, capacity to fly. The, 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 the word spirit biblically means wind or breath. The believer without the spirit is the lifeless kite. The believer filled with the spirit is filled with the power, the vigor, the life of God. And now the believer with the Spirit has a different quality and kind of life. Now you can hear God, lead others 
to God. You have the Holy Spirit. You can live a holy life. You can do things that are only possible with God and win battles over temptation, evil, sin, and death through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That's exciting, right? You all tired of getting dusty in the corner of the garage? You ready to fly? Sounds a lot better, ready to soar? Ready to be filled with the presence and power of God? As a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus Christ, you, we, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, here's how Peter explains it to people who are ready for Christ. They're ready to leave their self-centered existence and live a God-centered existence. They're ready to put behind their past and their sins and be a Christ follower. And Peter says this, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not you might, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And part of the evidence, part of the confirmation, one of the indicators that you have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit growing, working in your life, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When I was in seminary, I had uh, Pentecostal colleagues, and for them, part of the, 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 this indicator, this, this evidence that you had the Spirit, kind of the big one was your capacity to speak in celestial or other languages or tongues. What I'm telling you today is that one of the primary indicators and evidences that you are growing in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to bear fruit. God wants you to be a fruit tree. God wants us to be a tree of life not a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? People come into your home and they're like, oh, it was some good and some evil. No, God wants people to know the life of Jesus Christ. God wants people to taste and see that the Lord is good through the fruit of the Spirit in and through you. So why don't we have an extraordinary abundance of fruit why perhaps do we have love but maybe we're stressed out and lacking peace why isn't there more fruit of the spirit in my life Paul says that the reason we lack fruit is the flesh Galatians 5 17 for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict, in battle. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11 that, that, that these are forces that are at war in his soul. And he says they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. First thing about flesh. We all have flesh. You have flesh. I have flesh. Everybody has flesh. And I bet when you think of flesh, human flesh, you, you're thinking what I'm thinking, Right? Flesh. Flesh is flesh. We're talking about the physical body. Paul is not saying 
that your physical body is bad. God created people, and when God created people, mind, body, soul, spirit, he said it was good. And so he's not saying that your body is evil or bad. In this passage, the flesh is a reference to the impulses, desires, and urges that we have that lead us away from God-centered living toward self-centered living. What Paul is saying is the flesh leads us away from the narrow road, the high road, to the low road and the wide road. He says the flesh leads us away from freedom in Christ. Remember, the context of the chapter is to be free in Christ. The flesh leads us away from freedom in Christ toward bondage to sin. Here's what Paul's saying. What your mom and your dad did to you when you were a kid is not underneath your ongoing issues. It's your flesh. He's saying that the habits you cannot break are not a result of all the stress you have at work or at home. The flesh is underneath them. He's saying that the things that you do that you hate, that you seem to continue to do, the flesh is underneath them. And here's the truth. Everyone who is a Christian battles with the flesh. No one is exempt from the internal conflict, the battle between spirit and flesh. And he gives us a list of the acts of the flesh, and it's, it's Galatians 19, 19, 5, 19 through 5, 21. And it's not an exhaustive list, but he points out uh, things that are obvious, right? Sexual immorality. Um, that word is in the Greek is pornonia, which, from which we get the word pornography. Uh, he talks about debauchery, sleeping around, idolatry. And you say, whoa, 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 wait, idolatry? I don't struggle with idolatry. I, I don't worship false gods. I'm a Christian. But the, what idolatry means at its core is that you put something, and it can be something good, before God. Money, success, family, raising your children, that, that, that comes before worship of God. That's idolatry. Witchcraft. And you say, oh, well, I'm not a witch. I don't even know any witches. I thought, I thought they got all rid of all the witches in, in, in New England a long, long time ago. We don't struggle with witchcraft. Do you know the Greek word, um, that the root of the Greek word is pharma? From, from that word, we get pharmaceutical. Witchcraft in, includes drug-induced spells. So, so you're talking, where, where does the Bible say don't get high? Don't use drugs? Well, we have it right here. And then we have things that perhaps aren't so obvious, things that we, of course, accept. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, you got a bad temper, we say it's not a big deal. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Hey, I have too much to drink every once in a while, it's all right. And, and we say it's not a big deal, but Paul says, I warn you, as I did before. So this is an ongoing problem. He had to warn him multiple times that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's pretty scary. You live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what's even scarier for me? We're entering a time and a day in this country where we celebrate, normalize, and glorify the acts of the flesh. Look, go home and look at the list. We'll, we'll say about some of these things, that they're, they're good things. You're selfishly ambitious. When someone gets in your way, you get angry. You, you might yell at them. Uh, you, you create discord. 
And you know what we say about that? Oh, good for them. They're a leader. They're being strong. And Paul's saying, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Your problem is, is, is not what you think it is. Your problem is your lifestyle. And, and he's not talking about you, you made a mistake one time. Right? We're not, we're not perfect. That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying you fell back into this sin. Um, you, 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 know, you did something that you regretted and you knew it was wrong and you repented. He's talking about this. This is your lifestyle. This is who you are. This is what you do. And he says that as a result, your, your life's going to be filled with the works of the flesh and not the fruit of the Spirit. That the flesh is going to overtake, overwhelm, and kill the fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's how I, I look at it. I went up to visit my parents in New Jersey, the Garden State. And uh, I don't know that this is a result of being in New Jersey, um, so we can't blame New Jersey entirely, but New Jersey kind of has a reputation for this sort of thing. I can talk about New Jersey because I'm from New Jersey. If you're not from New Jersey, I'd rather you not. Amen? <laughs> right? Don't talk about my family unless you're in the family, then it's fine. Okay, so I go home. I'm visiting my parents in New Jersey, and I notice all the trees on their street are dying. I say to my dad, what's, what's going on? All these trees are dead. And then half of them were already cut down. I said, what? They're dying or they're cut down? What's happening? He said, those trees are Norway maples. And the reason they're dying is because at some point in the life of the tree, the tree grows a root. And you can see it on some of the maples. It grows a root around the trunk of the tree. And its own root strangles the trunk of the tree, cutting off nutrients and water that is essential for the life of the tree. This is how I see the works of the flesh. We may want to blame someone else, blame Satan, blame the world, blame our situation or our circumstances, but ultimately what we're doing is we're growing a root around ourselves that cuts off and strangles the life of God, our life, our vigor, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is where the acts of the flesh lead. And it might be gradual, but eventually it will catch up to us. So the last question is this, what do we do? How can we cultivate, grow, and nourish the Holy Spirit and overcome the acts of the flesh? Galatians 5.25 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have compromised with the flesh and its passions and desires. Excuse me. Those who belong to Christ Jesus give in to the flesh regularly. They never tell anyone about it and they live in secret. Those, not, hold on, sorry. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus see the flesh and they, and they give in and they say it's not that bad and they don't worry about repenting. Uh, that's not what it says. This is what Paul says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh have killed the flesh. That's radical. So how do we do it? Galatians 6, 8. Whoever sows, whoever plants to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Here's the good news, church. Whoever sows, plants, prunes to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
You can sow to please the flesh or you can sow to please the spirit. So how do we sow to please the fear, the spirit? And, you know, we talked about the, the base of the acts of the flesh of, of, of sinful living is self. It's self. Self-centeredness, self-absorption, self-gratification, and self-glorifying. So how do I get myself off myself? How do I cease from the worship of self? And the answer is you want fruit of the Spirit in your life. Worship God, not self. Worship God, not self. How we sow into the Spirit is by worshiping God. Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is Spirit, therefore worship in spirit and in truth. The, the flesh is all about pleasing self. Worship is all about pleasing God. The flesh is all about self-focus. Worship is all about God-focus. So instead of filling our lives with things that interfere with the worship of God, we sow into the Spirit by worshiping God on Sundays, but also worshiping God daily. And in this way, we crucify the flesh and we cultivate fruit. Number two, and I have one more after this. Stick with me. Second thing, to sow into the Spirit. David wrote in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who does not sow in the flesh, is what he's saying. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Who delights in the word of God. And who meditates, thinks, focuses on God's word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream which yields its fruit in season. You want to crucify the flesh and sow into the spirit? Don't sit in the company of people who will approve, celebrate, encourage, and encourage you to stay, stay in your sin. You want, to, you want to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. Do what David did. Get into the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. I'll never forget this guy told me one time, I invited him to a Bible study. You know what he said? I don't want to read the Bible because I'm afraid it'll change me. You know what I said? That's the whole point. <laughs> I can tell you I'm really good with my Bible reading when I'm in a small group. I'm in a Tuesday morning group and we have Bible reading before we, one of the, the rule is basically you got to read before you get to the group. I read that word before I go to bed and before I get up, and as soon as I get up in the morning because I'm meeting with this group. It's the first thing I think about in the morning, the last thing I go to bed with. I meditate on the word and in that way, we feed the spirit and crucify the flesh. Here's the last thing. And it goes with worship and word. You're not gonna like this. This is the part that, that many of us resist, but this is where the fruit is. This is where it is, guys. You want the fruit of the Spirit in extraordinary abundance? This is what it is. Obedience. Obedience. You can sing the right songs and have all the right words, but if you're not acting upon it, if it's not integrated into your life, there will be no fruit. Here's how Jesus puts it in John 15. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. And then he says, if you don't remain in me, you're going to, be, you're going to wither, you're going to dry out, you're going to be thrown into the fire and burned. He says, as the Father has loved me, I love you, remain in my love. And you're like, oh, that sounds great, remain in my love. How do we remain in his love? 
This is John 15, 10. Keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit? We remain in God's love through obedience to the Word. Nothing will grow you like obedience. This is the life that, that the Spirit offers us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It takes 100% of the Spirit to produce an extraordinary abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. But it also takes 100% of you to produce an extraordinary abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. And the choice is ours, daily, moment by moment, fruit or flesh, life or death. And remember, freedom in Christ, this 4th of July on Independence Day, freedom in Christ looks like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen.